0: Hello and welcome to the Celtic History Podcast with me Liam Kelly. This is episode 4 of the podcast and in some of the earlier episodes we've gone through Take Me to Your Paradise, a history of Celtic related incidents and events uh, where we've looked at some of the early chapters from the book which cover the period before Celtic's founding and sort of tell you the importance of some of the events that led to Celtic coming into existence. Now that Celtic's been formed we're up to the period of uh, late 1888 and the next chapter that i will cover in the book is called cup chaos and this sort of goes through some of celtic's early scottish cup incidents and controversial events cup chaos having defeated chesselston 5-1 cowler's 8-0 albion rovers 4-1 and st bernard's by the same score Celtic went into the Scottish Cup fifth round tie against Clyde on the 24th of November 1888 with a high degree of confidence. Despite such esteem, it was Clyde who started the brighter at Celtic Park, carving out several good chances in the opening 15 minutes. The bulk of the near 8,000 crowd began to relax thereafter as Celtic got a foothold in the game and looked increasingly dangerous. However, The Barrowfield side stunned their hosts when they took the lead just before half-time and showed stubborn resistance to keep Neil McCallum and his Celtic colleagues at bay. The match ended, Celtic 0, Clyde 1. Despite the game being described in the Scotsman newspaper as fast and exciting, Celtic lodged an appeal of complaint to the SFA. Claiming that the Clyde players had taken too long to change their illegal footwear, which meant that the match commenced late and finished in darkness. The club closed their letter of complaint with a request for the tie to be replayed. An SFA committee meeting was held at 55 Waterloo Street, Glasgow City Centre, on Wednesday 5th December, 1888. The post-meeting report was published in the Scotsman newspaper that evening. Scottish Football Association Last night the monthly meeting of the Committee of the Scottish Football Association was held in the rooms 55 Waterloo Street Glasgow Mr Craera the president in the chair attention was called to the circumstance that the professional committee had several matters before it regarding which it had felt it had no power to deal it was decided by the casting vote of the chairman that full power should be given to the committee to deal with all professional matters. The Celtic protested against the Clyde, being awarded the cup tie played on 24th November, because the ground was unplayable, and that for the last 15 minutes the game was played in darkness. Mr Harrison, the referee, explained that the team started to play a cup tie with the consent of both captains, that for the last 8 minutes he could not follow the game, and that the game was late in starting. Part of the delay being caused by several Clyde players having to remo- having to remove bars from their boots. Mr. Reid, Edrionians, moved that the protest should be sustained, and this was seconded by Mr. J. B. Walker, Renfrewshire Association. Mr. Bog, Partick Thistle, proposed that the protest should be dismissed. Mr. Graham Renton seconded. On a division, the protest was sustained by seven votes to four, and the tie was ordered to be replayed on the ground of the Celtic on Saturday 1st. Celtic took full advantage of being granted a replay, and went 2-0 ahead through set-piece goals within 10 minutes. Clyde bounced back with tenacity. A deflected shot found its way into the goal via the post, on the 20-minute mark. By the 21st minute, the scores were level. James Kelly of the Celtic was in in inspired form and regained the hoop's advantage six minutes later when he sent a long diagonal ball into the path of Tom Maley who netted with ease. The score remained that way until the halftime interval. In the second half, Clyde's players showed the reaction expected of a trailing outfit, still teeming with anger at having to re-eliminate the Celts. Indeed, they enjoyed a lot of possession in the early post interval play, but it was all in vain, as Neil McAdam headed on target to extend Celtic's lead to four two. The match was all but settled when Hart, Clyde's left back, suffered a major shoulder injury which forced him to leave the field, and his team had to play with ten men. Brackets, this was in the days when there were no substitutes. Celtic added another five goals before full time only chalmers in the Clyde net prevented double figures and the proverbial cricket score. The Thais drama did not end there, Celtic had not necessarily prevailed. A meeting was called by the SFA on Thursday the 13th of December 1888, to hear an appeal from representatives of Clyde Football Club. The meeting also discussed a similar appeal from Third Lanark, who had lost to Abercorn in a forced replay under identical circumstances. The discussions lasted some two hours before the votes on each case were revealed. Third Lanark's case was dismissed by eight votes to two, whilst Clyde's case was also rejected, this time by eight votes to seven. The boys travelled to East Stirlingshire in the semi-final two days later, where they again rode their luck. On that occasion, Neil McCallum rescued Celtic with two goals in the final three minutes. The full-time score was East Stirlingshire 1, Celtic 2. And in the print copy that I've got in front of me, there's a snapshot taken from a report which appears in the Lancaster Evening Post from the 8th of December, 1888. And it just gives a brief match report of the match. Um, It shows that 8,000 spectators were present, run through the goals, and um, just gives a, a a brief overview with the with the results at the end. So it shows that even at that early stage in Celtic's history, um, Scottish football and the Scottish Cup was still such a big deal that that it was making news down in in England at that time. So obviously, there's a lot of chaos there for the Cup Chaos chapter. Um, and Celtic had quite a colourful route to the final. And then that leads into the next chapter of the book, which is called Fortunate Finalists. Fortunate Finalists The drama-filled 1888-89 Scottish Cup competition culminated in a final which was contested between the tournament's luckiest two teams. Celtic and Third Lanark had both won their fifth round ties at the second bite of the cherry having made successful protests to earn replays against Clyde and Abercorn respectively Celtic had also won their semi-final clash with two last last-class goals against East Stirlingshire therefore there was forgivable expectation for Pandemonian amongst the then Scottish record crowd of 18000 who had gathered at Hampden Park on the 2nd of February 1889 Heavy snowfall from 1pm cast doubt over the final taking place, but a pitch inspection by associate members of the SFA deemed it playable. The snow's persistence and manifestation in the turf delayed the 3pm kickoff by 15 minutes. A hurried meeting was held in Queens Park Pavilion, where the SFA committee discussed the conditions and again ordered play to go ahead. However, both teams had protested that the surface was unplayable in the meantime, A document rendering the match a friendly was drafted up, but it was decided to withhold this information from the crowd over fears of a backlash on the terraces. The confusion was tangible. As far as the players knew, a friendly was being played, yet the authoritative committee had just agreed to consider the match a cup tie. Added to the breakdown of communication was the fact that the fans were cheering with further, for undoubtedly this was the cup final as far as they were concerned. The perplexity of the scene is captured in an article from that day, which reads like a comedy script. A meeting of the association was called hurriedly in the Queen's Park Pavilion, and it was decided, notwithstanding, that the ground was by this time quite unplayable, that the cup tie should be played. Both teams played under protest, and it was understood that a friendly game only should be played. The volunteers were the first to appear on the field, and received a hearty cheer. They were followed immediately afterwards by the Celts, who came in for even greater cheers. Some movement was caused by the teams engaging and snowballing each other. Once the game did get underway, it was surprisingly entertaining given the weather conditions. Celtic flew out of the traps and smashed the crossbar courtesy of Neil McCallum's right-footed Thunderbolt. Third Lanark scored against the run of play though, thanks to a well-aimed cross and instinctive finish from Oswald Jr. inside the box. Oswald Jr. then got his, and Third Lanark's second of the game, on the hour mark. An extract from a newspaper match report on the game states, the Celts replied so feebly to this second reverse that the spectators realised that a cup tie was not being played, and as snow began to fall heavily, hundreds left the field. The play after this calls for little description, the players being barely distinguishable and, as far as could be seen, play was ruling at midfield. Just before Mr Campbell blew his whistle, the third rushed the ball down and put on a third goal. As shown in the match report, the 3rd Lanark defeated Celtic 3-0. In doing so, it was not made clear as to whether they had won the Scottish Cup, until the evening of Tuesday 5th February 1889. That night, the SFA committee assembled to consider the pre-match protests of the teams. An agreement, signed by both clubs before a ball had been kicked, was read out. Its content showed that a friendly had been agreed upon, due to the unsuitability of the ground. Despite the document, Mr. Reid contended that the SFA does not give legitimacy to agreements between clubs. By contrast, Mr. Campbell referee, said that the ground was indeed unplayable and not conducive to competitive football. The referee's comments were unanimously corroborated and the match was ordered to be replayed the following Saturday. The cynicism of some suggested that rather than altruism and fairness, the real motivation behind ordering a replay was that the seismic crowds from the first encounter had fetched over £920 in gate receipts. Nevertheless, the second attempt to complete the Scottish Cup final was held on Saturday the 9th of February 1889. A crowd slightly smaller than that of the previous week turned up, and the cynics were left abashed, as a very large crowd a very large share of the combined £1,711 gate receipts were donated to local charities. On the pitch, which was varnished with sunshine, the frantic pace of play was testament to the occasion. The realisation that the destination of the trophy would be decided appeared to motivate Tom Maley, who weaved down the right before being chopped down by a tackle more akin to kickboxing than football. Maley dusted himself down, and actually seemed to feel greater pain moments later, when he missed from five yards, with the goal gaping. Thompson of third Lanark did likewise with a dreadful miss, before his side took the lead in the 25th minute, following a goal scramble. Celtic had to wait until midway through the second half to draw level, when the ever-reliable Neil McCallum rose highest, and headed a looping cross between the posts. Green and white striped joy had been sparked, but the tie was very much in the balance. Celtic crafted several opportunities with which they were wasteful. They'd pay for it, as Oswald Jr returned to haunt them when he stole victory for the Volunteers with 10 minutes to spare. The cop finally headed home with 3rd Lanark Rifle Volunteers FC. And in the print copy in front of me, there's a picture of a cartoon from the cup final, which appears in the Scottish umpire newspaper. And it just shows the, the kind of chaos and the stands, the players snowballing each other, um, and just the whole madness of a Scottish cup final. That was just another complete mess, just as the previous rounds had been. So it was quite an incident, uh, central early season, um, for Celtic and quite a, an eventful way to start life as a football club that sort of controversy and uh, major incidents continued um, going into the next chapter of the book which is called Quillenite Quislings and that's all about one of Celtic's founding fathers who at the first AGM of the club decided to break away and form a rival Irish club uh, but I'll come on to that in the next episode when, when you go through the the colony night quislings chapter thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed it